Sam, I have a confession to make. Oh, no. At the end of all these episodes, I've been yelling at people to like, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, etc. But I have never actually told them where they can go and do these things. Raph, I forgive you. You are now redeemed. Thank you. In order to complete this redemption, <laughs> I will now tell you where to do these things. <laughs> uh, welcome to Couch Theater. You're neighborly theater people who talk about couches. That's what we are. We're the theater guys who talk about couches. How's your couch today? My couch is really good, thank you. Very push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat on it the other day. Didn't want to get up. Yeah. And that's, well, I'm still here, actually. That's all for today, folks. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you can definitely find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and something else. I feel like we're on something else. Are we on something else? I think Spotify. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you can find the. I assume you're watching, listening to this on Spotify. Podbean. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Audible, and something else that I completely forget. Links in the description. <laughs> on with the show. <laughs> yes. We have an interesting topic today, don't we, Raph? Yes, yes. Uh, we are talking about redemption. We want to know what's good, what's bad. And what's ugly. Yes. Or what's Huckleberry Hound. I have a quiz for you, Raph. Okay. I'm going to fail this. I'm going to start off with... Naming some movies that have to do with redemption mm -hmm. and a character. And you tell me if you recognize the character and you know the movie. Damn, this is going to be really bad. Well, first one should be pretty easy. <clears throat> Star Wars. Darth Vader. What's the quiz? <laughs> 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 Moving on. Was there supposed to be a question you asked and you read the answer? No, the question is whether you recognize the movie in character. <laughs> yes, but I, I, still think, <laughs> I still think you have a valid thought there. Okay. <clears throat> Peanut Butter Falcon. Tyler. I do not know what that is. Is that a type of sandwich? It's a movie about uh, a guy with a past teaming up on a journey with a guy with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, the guy with the past is Shalabuf. The guy with the past? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guy who needs to be redeemed. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> catch Me If You Can. I have seen that a really long time ago, so I don't remember anything about that movie except they were forging checks. And yeah, DiCaprio. Yes. Really good movie. Yeah. Mean Girls. A timeless classic. You've seen it? I have. Okay. On multiple occasions. <laughs> Chicken Run. Oh, that is an amazing animation. Yes, Rocky. Um, what is it? I forget their name. The guys who do that. Yeah, I don't remember either. Ah, darn, I'm so sad to have forgotten that. Anyway, that's not important. <clears throat> and finally, well, no, second last, Loki from Loki. <laughs> I have not seen Loki. I do not have a Disney Plus subscription. Okay. Wow, there's a redemption arc there, just okay. so you know. Is Loki getting redeemed? And finally, Kite Runner. Amir. Like, similar to Blade Runner, but everyone's a kite instead? No. Hmm. Nothing, like... nothing like Blade Runner. Because that was a really, really interesting movie. 
Well, that's the end of my quiz. Well, I have a quiz for you, Seth. Oh, no. Avatar. Zuko. <laughs> yes, Raph. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there was a day and age where I could quote to you the episode number of a certain not do that quote. anymore? I don't think so. Damn. That is... This is what getting old does to you. It means we need to watch it again. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about first here? What's the most important thing for you in a redemption arc? What's the most important? Well, I think there's... Ah, that's complicated. Right. Maybe it's, it's more softball. What is a redemption arc? Okay. Um, I would think a redemption arc is... So there's two... I, I classify two different redemption arcs. Okay. Okay, so there's one where basically the person is bad and needs to become good. That's where they're in, let's say, they need to be saved from the bad to become good. That's them redeeming to the other side. Okay. And then there's also a redemption where maybe the character is not necessarily bad, but the character has done something bad. They have made a bad action. And what they want to do is redeem or like nullify or undo, in a sense, the action that they did. Okay. So one is a... A holistic, you are Hitler. The other is, you ran over my kid that one time you were driving drunk. Uh, I would say Darth Vader and Tyler from Peanut Butter Falcon. Did Tyler run over someone while he was drunk driving? He had a driving-related incident, yes. Ah, I am a prophet, apparently. You are. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I, I agree. I think those you can definitely split up a redemption in those two categories. There's probably lots of categories in which you can divide a redemption into. I, I mostly think that, I mean, what is a redemption? The word defines itself. Someone is being redeemed. They are going from a place of not so good to a place of sort of better. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what I think about it is mostly that it's, a lot of it is subjective, whether or not you classify someone as redeemed. You know, if we pull that out of movies and take it to the real life, you know, someone might harm you in some way or offend you or cause you harm and then go out of their way to try and undo this action. You might forgive them, but maybe in harming you, they also harmed your brother and your brother might not forgive them and they might not forgive themselves. Like, you know, in your eyes, they're redeemed. Mm -hmm. In someone else's eyes, they're not. So I think a redemption is, it's really from a, it's person to person, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, so I think there is the element of forgiveness in movies, mm-hmm. where, and that's definitely an important factor of redemption. It certainly helps when a character who is harmed by a bad action or a bad person forgives that person, the, the evildoer. But I think ultimately redemption is, is from the per- perception, perception of, of the viewer, right? The, the storyteller is trying to tell maybe a redeemed story and it's up to us whether we accept it or not as that person has been redeemed or not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yes and no. I would say that generally speaking, you are experiencing the events of a movie through, you know, usually there's a lead, some protagonist that you're following. Um, and even if it's not the lead character, this person who has done evil of some sort, has usually perpetrated this evil on someone who we're following and who we hopefully invested in. So Mm -hmm. you are, I mean, yes, it is, it does come down to you, the the viewer, but I think it comes down to you, the viewer, experiencing this vicariously through the 
person, I might say I, I wouldn't in my life accept what this person has done. But given the context of the movie and the context of who, who these actions are affecting, mm. I might consider the person who did. Okay. I will say, I do not consider a redemption to be a one and done thing. You know, journey before destination and all that stuff. Like you can... Life. <laughs> Whoa. Are you about to talk about insurance? <laughs> yeah, not to get higher money anyone, but you know, life is an ongoing thing. You don't just, you know, life doesn't end when you cut to black. So, you know, you might do good things at some point, but you're going to, and then you might redeem yourself in some way. Actually, let's back up. Let's talk about this. Diving right into the most classic example of a redemption arc, Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. <laughs> Whoa, I did not see that coming. I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe not the most classic, but Darth Vader. So the prequel is kind of muddy, really, but let's start with just the original trilogy. He's this unknowable, dark, mysterious hand of the Emperor who has presumably done lots of terrible things in the name of the Galactic Empire. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when confronting Luke, actually, also, in a more personal sense, cut off Luke's arm, hand, whatever, dismembered Luke. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in, in the final installment, you know, he helps him, throws the Emperor down the well, unlimited uh, power, all that great stuff, and has a conversation with Luke. That, to me, is not a redemption. That, to me, is actually just the start of a redemption. Because you then need to, you know, put pay to shove, as it were. You have, you know, you've done all these evil things. Now it's time for you to, like, you know, back it up. You did one good thing. Good job. And you need to keep doing good things. Because otherwise, like, you know, you can't just, uh, I guess, again, you can't just live a life of evil and then do one good thing in the end and then just die. And it will be like, hey, you were such a great guy. Because you weren't. You were a bad guy who did one good thing. Thought. Let's see if I can pull out... You're stretching, so... 25 years of my life okay. to prove you wrong here. All right. First off, I'm going to argue that Darth Vader's redemption actually is good. Okay. And I would say Kylo Ren's redemption, although Kylo Ren is a good, well-defined character, his redemption kind of stinks. <clears throat> I don't like Kylo's redemption either. Yeah. I suppose I'll bring that in later, mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about Darth Vader. Okay, so I guess the two things that are required for redemption is acknowledgement that you have done something evil or that you are a bad person. And like you said, very importantly, uh, kind of like repentance, turning away from it, not just saying I'm sorry, but actually doing something to move away from the evil, right? I think important qualifier is active. Yeah. Active. Repentance. Yeah. Because there are there is sometimes a trope of this guy is a bad guy, but he really loves this woman. And so through loving her, he becomes a better person. But like then she dies and he falls back into his old ways. That trope to me, you're not actually being redeemed. You're just You're talking about John Wick. Or <laughs> or <one>. Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> um but <clears throat> no, yeah, sure. Let's talk about Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. So what do I have to say about Darth Vader? What do you have to say about Darth Vader? I agree that on all accounts at first light, it feels like his redemption is very cheap, right? Because 
Darth Vader, all he does, right, is he sees his son dying. At first first light, it looks like he just looks at and sees that Luke is dying. And he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to save my son. After all the things he did, after all the children he killed, killed and whatnot, he's like, okay, now I'm going to save my son and that makes me a good guy. No, right? So, but let's look at Darth Vader. So, in episode five... Are we just doing the original trilogy? Or yeah, we... uh, just the original. Okay. I'll try to stick it, stay away from the prequels, even though they add context to his character. I think they make it worse. I will. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I will stick to the trilogy, original. So, in Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader at some point says to Luke, you don't know the power of the dark side. Right? It's, from what I understood, it was kind of in reference to how powerful and frightening and menacing the dark side can be, right? Like, you don't know what you're dealing with. You're just a trainee Jedi. Like, look at my power, right? Unlimited, you would say. Unlimited. <laughs> Lightning. <laughs> in episode six, Luke decides that there's good in Darth Vader. He feels it, right? And so he, he meets Darth Vader before seeing Sidious, right? He meets Darth Vader and he says, you know, I think there's light in you. And Darth Vader says, you don't know the power of the dark side. In this second reference, or in this second time he says that, it's different. He's kind of saying, you don't know the hold it has on me. You don't know. Like, he, it, it, and the sixth movie shifts it from him becoming this menacing dark power to a prisoner, in a sense, right? You still see him as menacing, but there's that idea, a little hint, like a, an idea that he's actually a prisoner of the dark side, right? It's something that he was, you know, put into and he can't escape. He can't escape the clutches of Darth Sidious. It, they introduce this other character. I know, still not enough. Ultimately, this all ties back. You, you watch the fight, beautiful fight, by the way. Maybe not, you know, the coolest action, but I think it tells a story. And the story is Luke will not succumb to the dark side and Luke will not kill his father. So when, when Darth Sidious is, you know, killing Luke with lightning, with unlimited power, Darth Sidious isn't just saving his son. He's actually seeing, it's not just about saving his son, somebody he, you know, just met. He's actually saving the idea that Luke represents. How long have I been going here? Keep going. I think I'm almost done. He's not just saving his son. He's saving what Luke represents, which is Luke represents this, this light this love, this idea that I'm not going to kill my enemy, right? And in turn, he sees Darth Sidious, who's just full of hate, who's full of violence and anger, and, you know, attacking Luke Skywalker. And it's that dichotomy that brings him there. And at the end, you don't really feel like maybe all his actions are undone. You just feel like he's redeemed in the sense that he saved his son, and, like, now I'm at a loss of words. Mm. (laughs) So... I do not disagree with anything you said there, really. I would say that, not something I typically enjoy, but I would give Star Wars credit for having done it, executed it well. You are not following Darth Vader. Darth Vader is an enigma for most of that original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So most of the assumptions and like gleanings and interpretations you're making about his character are that. They're assumptions and gleaning based on, obviously, what the movie is showing you, but you kind of have to reach. It's living a lot of blank space that you have to fill in. So you can imagine maybe he is a prisoner of this power and he's finally you know, found a way to be free in this last moment. I would still argue that by the end, however you frame it, he has not redeemed himself. He has 
at best started the arc. Like he, he was at the pinnacle of evil and now he's starting to come down and then his life is cut short. And that, I guess, that is an arc <laughs> of redemption. But I would say his redemption arc is not concluded. Okay. <laughs> Two ideas. Two ideas to that. One, the act of him dying was part of that redemption. So it was a greater sacrifice. A greater sacrifice was required for this redemption to happen, right? Not just, you know, okay, I'm going to be a good guy and help you guys now. He actually had to sacrifice his life, right? Not always. Sometimes dying is the easy way out, narratively. Yes. Like, you, like I've done all these bad things. I'm just going to die now and do this good thing. You mm-hmm. know? Whereas what would be the more difficult and perhaps honorable, righteous, and whatever choice would be to live and keep trying to do good things. True. Uh, my second point would be you're right, maybe Darth Vader on his own could not redeem himself. And you said, like you said, the story isn't about Darth Vader. The story actually is kind of more about Luke, right? Yeah. So Luke, despite the the few scenes we get with Darth Vader, a lot of this hinges on Luke. The ideas about him becoming good and stuff all hinges on the good side of Luke, right? And that's where I was talking about a little bit, a little bit earlier about the light side that Luke represents is that, you know, it wasn't just Darth Vader pushing himself and redeeming himself. It was actually Luke kind of like grabbing him and br- dragging him to the light side. A little bit of Naruto talking about <laughs> But in a more, I think... Executed a little bit more gracefully, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's all I'm going to So I'm going to pull the prequels into this because I think that's where, for me, it breaks down completely. Okay. Just so, realize you're the one who brought the prequels into this. I brought this. the prequels into this. So, you know, I can take the original trilogy in a vacuum. And it's hard for me to separate the two. Uh, I can take the original trilogy in a sort of vacuum and say, okay, I can see this evil man. You know, perhaps there's a lot I don't understand here about the dark side and what he's gone through. And he has sort of seen the error of his ways and had one final act of goodness. Then I watched the prequels, which is supposed to, you know, reframe, not, yeah, reframe Dark Vader's story and really give you sort of the meat and potatoes behind that, like the little gleanings you got in the original, supposed to tell you what he did. And regardless of, you know, how coarse sand is and just how bad those stories were, in my personal opinion, feel free to like the prequels. What you have is not someone who is lost or confused. I mean, you're trying, the story is trying to tell me that, but I don't buy it. I'm not seeing this poor, poor guy who's trapped in circumstances he can't escape. I'm seeing a headstrong child or teenager. I, I don't know how old he actually is in these. I'm going to say he's 18. It's a number. I'm seeing a headstrong young adult sort of just diving headfirst into it. There's nothing... Because you can't say he doesn't have influences on both sides. Sure, Palpatine's there and telling him about Dark Plague as the wise, but he also has Yoda and Obi-Wan and so many more influences pulling him back. And he's actively choosing to follow one side. Okay. I have not seen the second one, Attack of the Clones, in forever, but I have watched the Revenge of the Sith a few times. And I'm also going to bring in the Clone Wars. Because even though I think the Clone War, well, the Revenge of the Sith has the answers we need, I think Clone Wars kind of brings in that extra meat. Mm-hmm. So specifically with Anakin Skywalker, 
the slight injustice in the prequels is that they made him a little bit more whiny looking. In reality, I wish I think the Clone Wars reflects it better, is that he's a very passionate person. He's very, he really does care about his friends. That In Clone Wars, that's made obviously abundantly clear that he cares about the people he's with. He cares about the Jedi Order. He cares about all these people. But that's the thing. He can't, he's always very much attached to his emotions. And that makes him more vulnerable to the dark side, which is basically release your emotions, release all that pumped up energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's like a double-edged sword. He's good and passionate and caring about his friends, but he's also very susceptible to, you know, Palpatine with his smooth words and stuff. <laughs> so smooth. So silky smooth. Honestly. And second, while I do love the Jedi, it, I think George Lucas did make some intention there to show that the Jedi wasn't perfect, that there was parts of the Jedi that was over bureaucratic and that's what he say what you will about phantom menace being a useless movie it had qui-gon jinn and qui-gon jinn actually kind of highlighted the hypocrisy that the jedi council had become he was like a jedi that was all about action and the jedi that council and whatnot even though yoda's a good character and all that they got caught up in bureaucracy and the politics and and of this kind of like emotional estate which anakin does just not vibe so he wasn't attract like the Jedi as much as they were there to help him. It wasn't really attractive because they tell him, you know, don't be with uh, Padme. Don't give in to these emotions. Right. And, and that kind of pushed him away. It was a both pushing away by the Jedi and also attraction by Darth Sidious. Last thing I'll say, we can jump on something mm-hmm. else. Hey, <laughs> Star Wars podcast. Absolutely. The Jedi were not a perfect organization and they have fault in, you know, failing to train this person to some degree. But however at fault, like however imperfect they are, these are still people that he was with for how many years? Five, ten years of his life? Like from when he was, what, eight or something? Yeah, something like that. And fifteen. however much he was upset or didn't vibe with their teachings of austerity, I find it straining my suspension of disbelief to say that this this person who has grown up basically with the Jedi Order who had them you know save save him and his mom actually did they save his mom? they did save his mom right? or did she end up dying? um no she died even though they raised him and like treated him as their own it just took this guy whispering a couple sweet nothings in his ear once or twice and he was so willing he was so ready to jump to dark that's the part I can't I'm like you were so ready to become this person. And I don't buy that after years and years of perpetuating all this evil upon the Empire, after dismembering your son, because he because he refused to give up on you for some reason, you were like, ah, darn it. I see the error of my ways. You know, I just don't buy it. It just seems a little bit too flat for me. All right. We'll we'll stop here as this is not about Star Wars per se, it's about redemption, but this is probably the biggest contention point because Darth Vader's, we we discussed, so here's where we're at, we discussed that there needs to be an acknowledgement that they're evil or have done something evil and there needs to be a active redemption, Uh, not just a, okay, I'm redeemed, or somebody says I'm redeemed, but they actually have to actively work towards being redeemed. Yeah, you actually have to... Active repentance. 
to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for the record, yeah, it, it generally that requires not just a blunt transition. There needs to be a longer, more processed transition that actually shows them integrating back into good, right? Like it's not a, integration is not always easy, right? When you go from bad to good, and we expect to see them to struggle through that a little bit, or maybe even and to actually, you know, show that their their heart really has changed, right? Yep. They need to prove that their heart has really has changed. Um, so some cheap redemptions. Do you have? Any cliches you want to bring up? Definitely the I love you trope. The, you know, evil person finds love and that is the single single thing on which it... I guess I don't... As with any trope, it can be executed well, but for the most part, I find it to be a cheap way to redeem someone. I'm so attracted to this woman, I will now change my worldviews. Yeah, it does often feel that way. I mean, obviously... You know, you can meet someone and then change your ways because of how you interacted with them and how they affected your worldviews. But often in movies, it's just, she's hot. She doesn't like it when I kill the people. I will not kill the people. Yeah. That's basically the plot of Megamite. Ooh. <laughs> I love that movie. But that is, that is the plot. It's, he's evil. He meets girl. He's like, I like girl. I should stop being evil because girl. <laughs> True. Um, another one. This is less of a cliche because I can't think of something that does it, but I'm sure there is. Directly actually nullifying the bad action they did. So if you do something bad and you go back in time and undo that bad thing, that is the most unrelatable thing you could ever do in a story. <laughs> because no one actually has a time machine. It, it breaks the rule of action has consequences, which is a vital part of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a redemption arc. I would call that a that's a back back in the future, back to the future type thing. There, you messed up. You just it's just time shenanigans. You yeah. messed up, and you're fixing what you messed up. <laughs> Here's a I don't know if this is a controversial take. I have very specific views of what redemption is. Another classic redemption, I think, is Boromir. Right? Don't do this. I don't actually think Boromir got redeemed. Sorry. Not that I think he wasn't redeemed. That's poor phrasing. I don't think that was a redemption arc. I don't think he was unredeemed at any point. I think Boromir was a noble guy. He was a human being. He was flawed. But he was overall a good person. And over the course of... I haven't actually read the book, so... Over the course of the first movie, he is still mostly a good guy. And then he is corrupted by the ring a little bit. And he becomes a little less of a good guy. A little bit more golemy. And then when push comes to shove... He shows that he's still a good guy. Mm. I don't think at any point he was he needed to redeem himself. I mean, in some small ways, yes, but I don't think like he didn't have some great fall that he had to rise when he was like, he's a guy, he's a human being, he's flawed. I see. What you're saying is but like his death kind of revealed his true colors that he yeah. was actually not that bad. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I originally put him down as a redemption character, but now I'm wondering. I'd have to rewatch the movie again. <laughs> all three hours just to get to that one no, no, point the extended cut ah. rap these things matter <laughs> how long did it was like five hours or something like that the first one I think is like three and a half but the second and third extended cut is like four hours oh my goodness yeah. jeez that is, that is and we were making fun of the Snyder cut <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I also think changing your heart because of somebody you love dying. If I can briefly bring it back to Star Wars. As always. <laughs> Kylo Ren. Yeah. I love Kylo Ren in the first two movies. I love how he's a conflicting character. He's more, he's on the bad side, but he's morally ambiguous. And he's constantly being tested about whether to do the right and bad thing. And they do that really well in the first and second movie, even though I don't like the second movie. But he's really good in the second movie. Mm -hmm. In the third movie, Rise of Skywalker, it felt like he felt his mother die. He got stabbed, had a discussion with his imaginary dead dad, and then turned good. I, it, it feels like it, I, know, I understand that he had an internal conflict there. And finally, at the end of this internal conflict, he became good. Mm -hmm. But like, it really felt like the turning point for him was his mother's death, like Leia's death. Which, by the way, I don't even know if they have a single conversation for the whole trilogy. I um, don't know if I've ever, ever seen Leia talk to him. He only talked to Han Solo. So I don't recall him talking to Leia at any point in that. Yeah. But that might have also just been... Because they couldn't shoot it because Jericho should have died like the second movie, right? Yeah. I'm with you. I don't like Kylo's redemption arc. And I'll make this real brief. Because it mirrors a lot of the things I don't like about Darth Vader's redemption arc. The entire time, I was expecting Kylo to go to the dark side and stay on the dark side. Because, A, I was really hoping they didn't just repeat Darth Vader's arc from a, just a storytelling point of view. It's like, we've already seen this story. Can you please tell us a different one? But, B... He was so gung-ho about it. Like, even more than Anakin. At least Anakin, you can you say, you know, he was being swayed somewhat. For Kylo, he was like, I know what the dark side is. I know what the light side is. I want the dark side. I'm going there. He killed his dad. He was like, I don't give an F about anything. I'm going dark. And then you get to the third movie, he's like, eh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think probably having different directors... <laughs> Had some part to play with that. Yeah, the, the, I, the newer I, trilogy is just a mess in general. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Johnson's original intent, intent was to actually have him as the antagonist. Because that's what it feels like when he kills Snoke. It feels like you're saying, oh, he's being set up as the final final boss in mm -hmm. this because he's not. He's doubling down. And then you get to the next movie, he's somehow undoubled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's try to bring in a couple more indie movies. I watched Peanut Butter Falcon recently, God. and I thought that was a pretty decent redemption. Shia LaBeouf has a past. As all men do. So no, uh, Shia LaBeouf is, uh, he, you, you're introduced to him um, stealing and committing arsony and whatnot. He's not a, a great character. Um, it's revealed that his... Arson or larceny? Uh, fire. Larceny. Okay. What's larceny? Mostly just stealing as well. Okay. Larceny and arson. That's what you see him do. Anyhow. Larceny. <laughs> it, as a background, it's revealed that, you know, he had a really good relationship with his brother. And one day after drinking, they were driving and he fell asleep on the wheel. And you can puzzle the rest together that, you know, his brother died because he was driving drunk and fell asleep. Okay. Um, so he's washed up and stuff and kind of poor. And on the other hand, you have the second character, Zach. And Zach has Down syndrome and he's with, he's in an uh, elderly home. 
and he wants to escape and he eventually does escape this elderly home because he wants to go on an adventure to find a, a wrestler. Okay. And basically the story is them together figuring out, I guess, family and life. Right. So it's an interesting story. And because the, so here's where I want to get tied into the redemption. Zach has a, you know, he asks, um, Tyler, are you a good guy or a bad guy? He literally asks him that because, you know, he's fascinated with the good and bad and stuff a bit. Um, and Tyler says, I don't know. And Tyler, unlike Darth Vader is he's not a bad guy. He's a morally ambiguous character and he's done a bad action. And you can see in the past that there's some other bad things like he steals and does fire. But the main thing is, you know, he killed his brother and the redemption is so sweet because it's him learning to love this person with Down syndrome. It's him learning to love him and rebuild a family, right? Actively rebuild a family and be committed to the safety and, and, and happiness of that person. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, a lovely tale like that. A lovely tale with Sam above. Yeah, I, I would recommend watching it, it. A new one or old one? Uh, it came out, I think, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a redemption. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah, but it, it's because, um, like, the, the more you go, the more evil you go or the more worse bad it, you, you get, the harder it is to make it convincing that the, the redemption is true, right? Yeah, I mean, there, from my opinion, there needs to be some conflict. I need to see that there is both sides in your character mm -hmm. if you just rampaging, killing, raping, pillaging. I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe you actually feel sorry about what you've done. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Avatar The Last Airbender Wrath. It's a shit shit. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I'm not angry is because I know you're not, you're joking. <laughs> um, yeah, Zuko is... I struggle to think of a better redemption. I mean, I, I think... Just in general, whenever you say redemption arc, everyone's like, Zuko, it's the best redemption arc. Uh, I don't have any controversial opinions there. <laughs> I think it is the best redemption arc I've ever seen because, I mean, it has an unfair advantage as in it's three seasons of television versus one movie. So they have a lot more time to, you know, show the, uh, the gamut. The journey. The journey that he goes from the beginning to the end. But I think what's very important is it's not like he's just evil and then they start turning him around. It's from the beginning, from the very first episodes, you can see that this is a conflicted person. He wants to get the avatar, wants to redeem, get his honor. Actually, from the beginning, he's actually trying to redeem himself. He's just trying to redeem himself for the wrong thing. He's trying mm -hmm. to redeem himself in his father's eyes and redeem his honor. And so he's pursuing this goal. And then over the course of it, you see that he's, first of all, he's someone who actually cares about his uncle. He cares about the man under under him, even though sometimes his temper gets the best of him. And you see that he is conflicted about the things he has to do to accomplish this goal. And over time, he waffles back and forth. And you think he's going one way, that he goes back. And I believe it. I believe that this person is conflicted and that... Over the course of these three seasons, they finally found themselves. They finally found what they wanted to do. Yeah. And that, again, like I said, that's very difficult to do in like a 90-minute movie. But, you know, you can take the, the seeds of that. Yeah. 
with a movie, you know, they, they can allow you to fill in the blanks here and there. But you need to you need to give me the seeds of I need to see the through line, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that I think about it, his journey actually not only in, avoids a cliche with redemptions, but actually counters it, like goes the opposite. So he actually has to leave his loved one, right? Yep. My May. May. How do I forget her name? I'm ashamed. It's a month. It's one of the 12 months in the year, Sam. He leaves May, right? Like, it's not an easy thing. And we, we see a little bit more in the Prison Escape episode, like, how hard that was for them, right? And he actually had to go against that, which is a, an interesting twist on that. And, like, he's given everything, right? He, you were talking about, like, he, him wanting the wrong redemption. He's actually given everything. And it's there where he feels like, I've done something wrong. Yep. Like, he... He has it's it's a very parabola not parabola uh, sine cosine tangent a wavelength it has ups and downs because <laughs> he starts from let's say in episode one he's the most evil and then over the course of season one he has points where he seems like not such a bad guy points where he looks like a bad guy you get to the end of season one and you know. Try not to spoil this. The things that happen there, you know, he goes up and down and up and down. And at some point, he goes really down, really up. Uh, I guess I'm not going to say anything because I decided I didn't want to spoil <laughs> Avatar for the few people who haven't seen it. But it's a very good one. Um, mm-hmm. I was not joking about Steve Harris. <laughs> it is kind of a redemption arc, but I don't buy it as a redemption arc, almost. Because um, I've just seen people talk about he starts off as the, the classic douche, the high school jock douchebag. And then by the end of season one, he's kind of like, you know, on their side of it. And by the time you get to season two and three, he's basically just an overbrother for That's a nice little arc. It is a bit redeeming. But I would almost classify that more as just you grew up. I guess the like takeaway he from he matured. The takeaway from this conversation is for me, there needs to be a significant swing to consider it a redemption arc. Like, you can't just have swayed a little bit one way and then sway a little bit this way. But then if, if the swing is too wide, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a sweet spot for me. If you're going from too evil to too good, I don't believe it. And if you're just having little waffles in the middle, I just think that's human nature and there's nothing. This is not really... I mean, it's an arc of redemption. It's a redemption arc, but... I don't think it's a redemption arc that I care to discuss most of the time. You just did. <laughs> there you go. I've proven myself wrong. <laughs> um, I watched Fast and Furious 9. Or Fast Furious 9. Fast or 9. Fast and... No, F9. F9. There you go. <laughs> I watched F9. And <clears throat> just was a small it, was spoiler. Was it as Furious 7? John Cena... Turns out to be his brother. That's revealed in the trailer. Family? Yeah. Damn. He turns out to be family. The story's about family. And I, small little... He turns good. He turns good. Okay? But he turns good because the other bad guys cross him. That is not a redemption arc. <laughs> it's such a cheap redemption arc. Like, it's okay if he, like, starts at, like... Okay, he's, like, a third party now and is, like, against everyone. That would have been Okay. But he swings full 180 and becomes a good guy mm-hmm. because he's crossed. And it's it's so silly. 
like if we're going to apply everything we were we've talked about um i think there was a way in which f9 could have been tied it back to uh what brought the vin diesel and john cena apart i forget their actual characters names um <laughs> so do i so Vinny and john they they were family but they're dom 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 and cena <laughs> they were they were family but they stopped being family and it, it it's because their dad was a racer <laughs> and to pay bills their dad had to sabotage his own car so that he wouldn't win a race okay, okay. and he got john cena to do that to sabotage the car. And so Dom got angry about John Cena doing that because he didn't know that the father was involved. He just saw John Cena sabotage the car. And so he thought he betrayed family and, you know, killed his own dad. A much more interesting approach to like, I think redeeming him would have had Dominic. <laughs> wow. It's so weird to say Dominic. <laughs> I just want to call him Vinny. <laughs> Vinny boy. It just, yeah, it would have been better if Vinny boy had put himself into a similar situation as his father did. Because his father was sacrificing, sabotaging his own car, his own beliefs for the family. If Dominic, let's say, I don't know, had a bomb in his car, that he was going to sacrifice himself for his family and the ones he loved. And somehow John Cena seeing Dom do that and like doing the same thing that his father did, that would have been a more interesting, I think, turnaround point for him to be like, you know what? Yeah, I see. It would, it yeah, would create just narrative symmetry. It's narrative symmetry to bring them back together. Yeah, this is the thing that was your fault, and now you place in a similar situation, and you you flip it. You yeah. do the right thing, quote unquote. The major problem with what from what it sounds like is this idea of I don't believe your redemption. So the movie cuts to black, and from what you've told me, there's nothing to make me think that one year down the line you're not back exactly where you started because the reason you you flipped was not strong enough you you just flipped and then i'm like yeah but you know two months from now you guys are gonna have a spat and you're gonna go back to doing what you were doing anyway mm -hmm. so it's a, there was a reason he became bad yeah and a completely unrelated incident made him good again yep completely unrelated <laughs> right it had nothing it yeah that's where the symmetry works anyhow but I guess that's more of a, if we go back to your example of like specific wrong versus you just being an evil person, it's if you, if you have done a specific wrong to be redeemed of that wrong, you must either like somehow undo what you did, not true time shenanigans, <laughs> or you must do some acts that's not, not equivalent because you can't, if you're not, you can't undo the wrong you did if you if you cannot actually undo it, but Something. Using symmetry, you can be put in a similar situation and then choose to do something else. So you're not undoing the previous action, mm -hmm. but you are saying, you're basically undoing your mindset. You're saying, you know, this is, this is how I'm choosing to change. Um, I was reckless before. That's how I got my brother killed. And now I'm a more caring person. That's, you know, there is a flip there that's believable. Whereas if you're just on the, if you're the evil side, then for me, I just need to see you have a paradigm shift in some way. And I need to see more than just the point at which you flipped. Because mm -hmm. to me, that's not enough. To me, that's the start. 
and I need to see a little bit more there to convince me that you're really going to go down this route and it's not just a blip in the radar. Yeah. Ah, Kite Runner. What about Kite Runner? (laughs) We're talking about the symmetry. (laughs) There's just so much because, and you're talking like we were saying, like you can't completely undo an action you do, right? And I think Kite Runner understands that and just does it beautifully. So Kite Runner, the main character is Amir and when he's a kid, he, his father has servants, right? And one of the servants is also a kid named Hassan. And Amir treats Hassan very bad um, because his father treats him well. Um, and he does a lot of bad things. They had a friendship though. And the thing that they kind of used to do when they were kids is that there's there's kite battles. So your your strings for the kite could cut off uh, other kites. And when the, you cut off other kites, your your teammate or I guess in this case, your servant Hassan would go grab that kite when it falls down. And he was the best kite runner in the town. He knew, always knew from the shadow where it would go and from the wind, he kind of just had a feeling and instinct, if you will. And so he was, you know, Amir was the person with the kite and Hassan was the kite runner. And one thing Hassan used to say is like, for you a thousand times over when he would go get the kite. One time, one time, when he's getting the kite, he's ambushed by some other kids who don't like them and that he's violated by these kids. Amir is there and kind of in the background and he doesn't do anything. He's a bystander. He doesn't save him. And from that shame, he feels so much shame that he actually gets Hassan fired and expelled from his father's home. Yeah. So really bad, right? Yeah. Just the worst kind of kid. And 20 years later, he's brought back to the country and he goes to save Hassan is dead but he goes to save Hassan's son turns out Hassan has a son and it's a it's a journey and he has to go he has to go to the Taliban and save his kid save this kid from the Taliban and it's very realistic it's not like you know your Avengers or action movie it's it's realistic and through that in the past he was a bystander he or she's taking action right it's that flip and at the very end, when he say, well, he saves the, the 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 son and takes him back and like takes him in as his own son and and raises him up. At the very end, the, you choking up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm choking up. At the very end, the son is has a kite and he goes into a little kite battle and wins. And Amir runs. Oh my! That's, <laughs> that's just cute. <laughs> runs to get the kite and says, "For you a thousand times over." And it's like. You're, everything you're you're talking about, like you can't uh, completely undo your your bad thing, but you can redeem it in this, and and, and redeem it through other actions, I guess, I suppose. And and in this specific scenario, with the symmetry with him with his son, um, yeah, you yeah. need to show that if you were put. I mean, that's that's why the symmetry works. Is that you were showing that you were changed enough that if you were if you were transported back into that time. Mm. you would not make the same decision you mm. made before. True. Well, that sounds like a pretty great movie. Too bad you spoiled all of it. I'm just kidding. I, I would still watch that. <laughs> Please do. It's, I, so you you always tell me that I don't read enough books. Mm-hmm. That was one, now that I remember, I read that book after, after watching the movie. movie. When did you watch this? When I was like in grade eight. I, oh, wow. Yeah. I read voluntarily a book in grade nine, so... That's impressive. Was it a good book? Was oh, the, yeah. Was the movie better or the book better? I like them both. They both are just good symmetry. Nice, nice, nice. Um, 
less indie film because I can't think of any not super popular movies. But uh, a, a, a small show, you might have heard of it, A Game of Something? Seats? A Game of Swords. Game of Swords. Yeah. Must have been that. <laughs> Game of Thrones. I would classify this. I'm, I'm talking about the, the TV show, not the book series, A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, Jamie Lannister is, <laughs> and this is a sour, it's a sour topic for me, as all things Game of Thrones are extremely sour for me. But there is an example of an extremely botched, I don't believe the only redemption arc. You know, normally I'm saying I don't believe the redemption arc. Well, Jamie, I don't believe the unredemption <laughs> that he goes through. So Jamie starts off as, you know, basically your high school douchebag, but he's a knight. <laughs> and, you know, there's a little bit of incest here and there. Who's to judge a guy? <laughs> Still forgivable. <laughs> Where are but, you going with this? Uh, but that's the thing. I actually buy his redemption because for him, it's he's in this higher minded place. And, you know, he does all the terrible things he does. And then I think the turning point is when he, he loses his hand. And spoilers for Game of Thrones, I guess. Spoilers for a lot of things. <laughs> I'll put something in the description. <laughs> uh, he loses his hand, and that is so <clears throat> much part of his identity. He is, you know, the charming, good-looking, good swordsman. And then he loses his hand, he's no longer that good a swordsman. Mm. And... Then he gets kidnapped by uh, the Starks, and he's he has to sleep in a pen and stuff. And he's no longer charming. He's no longer that good looking because he's gone through such rough times. And he goes through such a he goes from such a position of power and is put in such a different situation that he's forced to go through like a paradigm shift. Like he's forced to reevaluate all his experiences. And even though he was a terrible guy, I believe that someone who was just terrible almost because they're spoiled, and then gets really shown the harsh realities of life, can actually have a wake-up call and be like, oh my God, all the things I were doing were not so great. And it's not like he completely flips, right? It's not like he suddenly becomes uh, a champion of the light or something. He He's still a bit conflicted. He's still a bit, you know, gray. But you can start to see, okay, this guy, maybe over the course of the next couple of years, can actually become someone I like. And then you get to the end, and he just, I don't know what the hell that was. And I was like, I, What? You don't like season eight. Join the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. that could have been a great redemption arc. Yeah. And then it just spitted and fizzled out into nothingness, as all of that showed it. I, I totally agree. And I like that you mentioned the unredemption arc. <laughs> so that you have demption, then you have redemption, <laughs> and you have unredemption. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have re unredemption. <laughs> but a good. So. Just a advice or tip. Good movies that have unredemption is Unforgiven Ooh. and John Wick. Is he getting unredemption? I haven't. I don't think I've seen anyone past well, the first one. So I guess yeah, because he had he had changed his ways because of a woman yeah. he loved, and then the woman is killed, and he doesn't revert. But then the dog is killed. Then he, he, he kind of snaps. He snaps and he completely becomes the person he used to be. I mean, yeah. And the movie doesn't treat him as a bad guy per se. But like... It's because John killing. Wick is just about, here's this guy killing people and it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's more about cool. But 
structurally, it is a unredemption arc, and so is Unforgiven. Okay. And it's also like he starts off, the movie starts redeemed because he's with a woman and he loses that woman. He tries to stay good, but you know, he's just a bad farmer. He's a really bad farmer. He's not cut out to live out this lifestyle, and he's kind of like brought back into it. Yeah. I, I guess we can jump into this. For a little bit here. I think on redemption arcs are just as interesting and just as satisfying as a redemption arc. Mm -hmm. For I think because the the things that are interesting to me there are common. It's sort of the the duality of man of the struggle of life. Like you can have this person and you can just have life just they're they're a nice person, but life just keeps hitting them left and right and left and right. And you know, they come out the other side and they've made like all these little choices that, you know, what can't like you can um I guess to give an example that, so there's the book series, The Wheel of Time, <laughs> which has a show that's coming out soon, so I would try not to spoil things, but the, the main character, mm. the chosen one or whatever, the, why I find it so interesting is that he's that same you know, Frodo, uh, not Boromir, Aragorn, that kind mm. of character who's like, you're the one who's going to do the thing, and then they hop off and they go save the world and destroy the dragon or whatever. But... He's they the, the flip this the script is flipped with him because he's he doesn't want to do this and he's being thrust into this position that he doesn't want to be in and you know people aren't nice and there's politics and all this stuff and life just keeps hitting him left and right and he just becomes he just starts descending like he he's still a good person he still wants to do the thing like save the world and all that but he is you can and I find this interesting because when I read it read it I didn't when he starts to do the things that are very questionable. I'm like, I'm cheering on with them because I'm like, yeah, screw those people. They've been messing with you. Yeah, show them what's up. But then when you step back from it and read it again, you're like, wow, he's he's kind of going crazy, isn't he? <laughs> but like from his perspective, you can sort of see mm. how he's gotten to where he is. That so. sounds like good storytelling. Then. <laughs> if it can make you feel like doing the bad thing is the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. Final thoughts? Um, or was there other things you wanted to dive into before Final Thoughts? No. Uh, pretty much it. Redemption stories are hold a special place in the world of storytelling in humanity because, I mean, we all have skeletons in our closet. We've all done something that we're... How do you know about skeletons in my closet? Uh, I've lived with you for four years. What did you, you think I wouldn't notice? I saw four. Are there more now? Right. Uh... Just step in here for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to be a skeleton. (laughs) Um, But no, there's a place for it because it's a a very relatable human attribute. Like we all desire to seek some sort of redeeming or forgiveness or repentance from some stuff that we've done in our life. Yeah. Um, And so if it's done really well, it's very relatable and it it, it touches the A-R-T. Yeah. What is that? I think that spells heart. Okay. H-E-A-R-T. I think that's what I said. <laughs> or I said he art. He art. He arts. He oh, arts really that's, well. That's a different podcast. Why is he art the heart? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for me, similar thoughts. Redemption arts are great. I think, you know, I think they're subjective. I think each person has what they're willing to tolerate. Like some people will, you know, if this person has raped someone, 
that's it. That's it's done. You've crossed the line, and nothing you do will ever bring you back. And for some people, you know, it's have you killed fifty million people? If you've done that, then you know that's the line. So everyone has their mm-hmm. um, their lines, and it, it, it is. I mean, it's not completely subjective, <clears throat> but it's also depending on on the way it's framed. I think uh, you can have the same. I guess it was this concept we were discussing earlier of if it's if you're telling me the movie's telling me, hey, this guy's he's pretty good now, right? And you're not really showing me that remorse. You're just saying, hey, he did some some bad stuff, and he was badass while doing that bad stuff, and now he's a good guy, and he's still badass. Isn't he great now? I'm like, no, he's not great. True. I mean, he's badass, but he's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that those those are my thoughts on redemptions. Mm-hmm. Some recommendations from this. Avatar said, The Last Airbender. Avatar The Last Airbender. Peanut Butter Falcon, Kite Runner, uh, Chicken Run. What is what is the redemption arc in Chicken Run? It's Rocky. Rocky is like a selfish person. Oh, the, 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 the rooster? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. I'd have to watch it again because you were talking about the idea that maybe if it's... It needs to swing a little bit further maybe to be a redemption arc. So it might not quite be a redemption arc. But I kind of felt like it was. Anyhow, uh, catch me if you can. And I don't remember how that movie I, ends. I just remember all the check forging. He ended up being a good guy. He joined the FBI. But then he just get caught, and mm-hmm. they made him work for them. Yeah, is that a redemption arc? Or did he just get caught? Well, he tried escaping again, and then the last time he escaped, nobody went after him except Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks basically being like, you know, this this is foolish. Kind of like, you know, you, you want to escape again, go ahead. And he chooses not to, even though he could have. Oh. Yeah. I see, I see. Um, so definitely Redemption there. And Unforgiven, John Wick. Wheels of Time, when that comes out, I guess. The Wheel of Time. The Wheel of Time. Um, I don't know if it's, I would consider it a Redemption arc. I guess. I guess it's a Redemption arc. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Today is sponsored by Life Insurance. Go to a nearby Life Insurance. Get insured for if you want to get insured for your life. Contact us at couchtheaterpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Send us your social insurance social security number or social insurance number or whatever the equivalent is in your country. For a redeemable coupon. Hey.